playing back for 35-year-old Arthur Beetson to wear a maroon jersey. Venegata close, close cutting back the other way, catches the defence on the wrong foot, he's broken through, he's coming up to Edie, gets away from Edie, he's over underneath! Welcome back to Origin of the Series and welcome back, Jeff. Thank you, Stephen. It's um, it's nice to be back in the studio and we're lucky enough tonight to have a special guest. Um, he's a, a Queensland sporting legend. He's a he's a test cricketer. He's one day international. He's best known, however, as the first captain of a, Queensland's first Sheffield Shield winning side. Um, so, yeah, g'day, Stu, Stuart Law. Thanks for joining us tonight, Stu. Uh, Jeff, Steve, thanks for having me, mate. It's a pleasure. And, and where are you now? Where are you? Where are we? Where are we speaking from? Uh, I'm based in Dhaka. I'm currently the head coach of uh, the under nineteen Bangladesh national team, um, and we're gearing up for a World Cup, which is taking place in January, February next year. Um, it's in South Africa, so um, we've got a few tours. Asia Cup starting in a, a week's time, so uh, that's in Dubai. Um, but yeah, currently talking to you from downtown Dakar. Um, it's not as bad as what people make out. It's um, it's certainly improved in the years that I've uh, come here. Uh, first came here in 2012, and 11 years later, it's pretty good. And you're saying earlier you 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 based you're based in the UK. Is that right? Yeah, I moved back when I was coaching the West Indies. Um, I found uh, to to get home from the West Indies to Brisbane, it took. 45 to 50 hours to, of travel time um, from Antigua to, to Brisbane. Um, and you sort of mow that down by a fifth um, going to the UK. It's only an eight-hour flight. So um, there was nothing. I was told I, if I wanted to continue in cricket, um, I was told I had to move overseas. Um, and my wife being English, we, we made the decision. I moved back to where I was when I played for Lancashire. Um, it's where our family's down the road for, for my wife and we've got good friends in Wilmslow where we live. Um, so it made made sense to me um, to, to move back while I was coaching the West Indies. So, yeah, we've been back there now for about, four, what, since 2017, so about six or seven years now. So... um. Yeah, thanks again for joining us. And you know, you know, Steve and I are all about this. is This is um origin of the origin of the series, and we're we're all about state of origin. So, what's your what's your um, experience with state of origin? Oh, mate. Um, yeah, when I was a young kid growing up, my my family very sporting family. Um, so my father was a really good cricketer, but also a really good rugby union player. Uh, my uncles played rugby union, rugby league. Um, they played cricket. My grandfather played all that plus tennis. Um, so my affiliation with um, sport has been from a very young age. But um, I just love Queensland um, and any any opportunity to you know to get involved in a in a contest that involving us in New South Wales um, was always great fun and high on my priority list. So when State of Origin came in in nineteen eighty, it was. Uh, you know, there was there was no no problem with me watching every game. When I when I played, uh, sorry, when I was in in Brisbane, we we tried to get to every game that we could. Uh, if I was in Brisbane through the winter, um, we'd go and sit in the in, in the worst seats, but in the best stadium um, to go and watch a state of origin match. And a couple of times, even once we we flew a group of mates, we flew down to uh, to Sydney to watch that 
epic where Mark Coyne scored in the corner with uh, you know oh. m- milliseconds left, um, and I was yeah. sitting in a I was sitting in the blues part of the crowd with my uncle, um, and we were getting you know sledged all the way through that game until the last minute when we scored and you know, got in front and. My uncle and I were the only two celebrating in the blues section and we sort of stopped for a minute and went, hang on, mate, we, we've got to get out of here alive. Um, yeah, that's as, it. As it turned that's out, it. Mate, we walked out arm in arm with the New South Wales supporters uh, that night, so it wasn't wasn't too bad. But, yeah, my affinity with, you know, Queensland, State of Origin uh, runs deep um, and I still watch watch the series now. I watch one of the games this year from Spain and another one from uh, from somewhere in, in Bangladesh. So it's been uh, it's been quite a journey for me. Sorry, Jeff, I make a point when I'm uh, when it's origin time to to set the alarm and go and watch it, um, even if it's at, at crazy o'clock, because I just can't do the um, the thing of waiting 12 hours later <laughs> recording it and waiting because I inevitably know what the score is and I just can't watch it then. That's no. that's the game spoiled Correct. for me. No, same here, same here. I I've watched it in Barbados. I've watched it all over the world. So um, when it's on, um, I'm the same. I, I wake up at any any time to to watch the to watch the game. Usually they're they're absolute cracking games of, of rugby league. And having been close to a few of the rugby league players, they they say it's tougher than any test match um, that they played in. And mm. when you see it live and when you see it on TV, you can understand what they're talking about. Was there a connection your... between? Um... Sorry, was there a connection between, uh, you know, the the, the 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 cricketers and the Queensland Origin players at the, during you know when they were playing? Were you mates or you knew each other or? Yeah, not not so much the Origin team, but definitely the Broncos. Um, mm. You know, having the same sponsors uh, generally helped. Um, you know, we we'd collide in uh, their beginning of the season, our end of season. Um, Couple of times we'd all end up in in an establishment having a, a few sherbets to us celebrate either the end of the season or you know another another day's play or another game finished and same with the the Broncos lads so we we got pretty close to a few I'm, I remember you know getting pretty close to guys like Mick Hancock and Steve Renoff um, you know back in the day and you know Gordon Tallis we we used to chat quite a bit um, out and about so there was an affiliation I thought the the Queensland sporting landscape then was excellent where we had a lot of crossover, um, good friends in all, you know, rugby league, rugby union um, and cricket. Not so much in the AFL because the AFL were full of guys from Victoria and they hated Queensland, but that's okay. Um, there were a couple of, there were a couple of uh, Queenslanders in that, in that Brisbane Lions squad at that time, Simon Black and Michael Voss, that we, we got to know quite well. So the crossover was pretty good. Um you know, still, still in touch. Not, not mates, mates, but still in touch with guys like Mick Hancock and Steve Runoff today. Yeah, nice. And when, uh, when State of Origin uh, kicked off in nineteen eighty, you, well, I think you were four or five years younger than Jeff and I. Mm. So that would have made you eleven or twelve, yep. somewhere yeah, around there. Yeah. And did you have? Had, had interstate footy been a, a a part of your life before then, or did it kick off with Origin? Or yeah, no. How, how did you feel about that? Probably too young, you know, at, at ten or eleven. Back in those days, mate. Um, if we weren't, if you weren't inside, uh, you're outside playing. You, you're a winter yeah. time was playing footy. 
summertime was playing cricket for me. Um, so you didn't really have too much time to sit down and worry about what was going on in the big bad world. Um, mm. But when when you got old enough to understand, yeah, it, it really kicked in. I was a Parramatta supporter as a kid. Um, for whatever reason, I don't I don't really know the reason, but um, probably you know Sterling, Kenny, um, Eric Growth, etc. They they probably you know twisted your or twisted your arm a bit. Ray Price, etc. Um, yeah. look, those guys I, I looked up to. But as soon as Brisbane, the Broncos emerged and came into the competition, I, I quickly switched allegiances. Which a lot of my friends mm. said you you can't do that. You can't just change allegiances. I said, well, I can because I'm a Queenslander. Um, yeah, exactly. I think there's special circumstances yeah. there. I, I talked to, remember, you know, Jimmy Marr, he's, he's a Canterbury Bankstown mm. supporter through and through. And uh, when they joined the, uh, when Brisbane joined the, um, uh, you know, competition, uh, and then later when North Queensland, obviously a Cairns boy, North Queensland came into the comp. Yeah, he, that's he it. Stood, he stood true to his, you know, his word and he stuck with Canterbury and I couldn't quite understand it. But uh, that's, that's Marbo. He's a... He's a he's a special human, um, you know. To to be as parochial Queenslander as he is, still supporting a New South Wales team, it, I find it hard to believe. But there you go. Did you um and that um that, that uh, interstate team um, for Queensland in the in the sort of the mid and late seventies that Jeff and I got brought up sort of watching watching struggle year after year and. Um, and you know, turned their fortunes around with the uh, state of origin mm. uh, concept. Did that? Do you think have any parallels with uh, Queensland cricket, where we had struggled, largely struggled uh, year after year, and got close a couple of times to the shield, but never, never got across the line. Um, what, what was that dressing room like with uh, the that feeling of always being the bridesmaid? What, what was that like coming into that team? Yeah, having having been part of you know from a young age as well, um, just it, it's hard to it's hard to really pinpoint you know the feeling because I, I don't remember too much about you know what I felt. Um, I was just happy to be doing what I loved doing. Um, and then when mm-hmm. I got into that a little bit more, and once you understood the meaning and what it meant, not only to not only to the players but also the whole of Queensland, which we didn't quite understand. Uh, until probably well into the 19, you know, 90, 94, 95 was when we first won it. We probably didn't understand what it meant to the whole state. But I reckon come 95, 96, 97, 98, those years, I reckon we understood what it meant to, to everybody. Um, when I first came in, um, you know, we all, all we talked about each at the start of each season that I was there was uh, we've got to win the Shield. We have to win the Shield. Yeah. That, and that was... That was the way that Queensland looked at it, you know. Um, you know, we were we were sick and tired of being ridiculed. Um, you know, David Hooks, God bless him. You know, he'd, he'd sit there and if you get into a bit of a fight, he'd just say, "Hey, Queensland, you know, eighteen nil," you know, because New South Australia won it eighteen <laughs> times. And you know, New South Wales, I never forget. And this is probably what turned it around for Queensland. Um, we got beaten again. I remember the headlines. You know, Queensland, beautiful one day, all out for seventy five the next. Um, I you know, remember that. I remember that. Yeah. yeah, that was and that was Jeff Thompson as our coach. Um, and at, at the trophy presentation, we all wanted to walk in the dressing room and you know let New South Wales get the trophy and you know pat each other on the back, etc. And we just started to turn around and walk away. And Thomas stopped us and said, "Oi, you stand here. You watch this. Take it in. See how much it hurts." And 
it hurt a lot because at the at that moment we're all standing around watching New South Wales get presented with the the trophy and they're spraying champagne and beer and what have you. And Greg Matthews and Mike Whitney just turned to us and said, "Hey, Queensland, never in the history." And that's what mm. rang in our ears. Well, it rang in mine for sure, and I'll never forget it. Never forget it. And that night we um we went back into the dressing room and we said, "Right, how are we going to get? How are we going to start again? How are we going to become a tougher team? How are we going to be the team that's hard to beat?" I think Jeff Thompson, you know, was probably critical in that that part of the dressing room. Um, to make us tougher, um, to understand how how much it hurts, um, to understand how New South Wales thought of us, you know, and they they ridiculed us. You know, they all tried to ridicule, and we thought, right, enough's enough. We come up with a decision probably probably a bit later than we wanted to. It was probably about four a.m. in the morning when we decided that okay, we've, <laughs> we've got an idea of how we want to play. When all, but, when all good all good ideas come from. <laughs> well, yep. and it. It, it seemed at the time it, it was a great idea, and you know we we decided that mm. then and there that we were going to be um, we're going to play differently, you know, and and we we stuck to it. The following year we didn't do so good, um, but we we stuck to our, our guns. You know, we thought no, we've got to change the way we play. And you know, the year after we won the shield for the first time, and um, well, the rest is history. You know, we became one of the most well, we became one of the most hated teams in in Australian cricket, but only because we kept beating everybody. Um, and we had pure yeah. belief. That's what we had. We had pure belief in each other. We had the mateship was second to none that I've ever experienced in a sporting team. Um, you know, not just on the field, but off the field as well. We we hung out together. We we actually really enjoyed each other's company on the field and off the field. Um, and we we're unbreakable. So and that that's what that's what drove our success. Well, it does does feel like there are some similarities there, doesn't it, between Queensland cricket and and state of origin as far as that a being ridiculed um and treated as a bit of a joke but also that genuine bond and liking each other and getting each other that the queensland have had all the way through it hasn't changed and also yeah. the interesting thing too i think with queensland and when you were saying um not quite understanding as a team when you won what it meant to people and when you see and when steve touched on it saying we're, we're a little bit older but you can imagine people guys got people older than us going through both with the shield and with mm. rugby league being perennial losers and when you see what queensland the, the shield team did taking the shield around queensland yep. like for weeks it seemed like and the way the origin team makes a big deal out of going to the country because that's where the players come from a lot mm. of the players come from and even this postcode promotion they've been doing recently you go that just cements that whole where queenslanders but we're not just token it's real and that's probably one of the many things the blues blues don't get um and you can't get i think when you just have won all the time whether it be cricket or rugby league or whatever it is you're just used to winning so you can't manufacture the the underdog and that's why we win eight series in a row and we're still the underdog yeah, you know? yeah. that's my theory anyway well, no and that, that that rings true and you know I, I can tell a story you know we we were lucky enough to take the shield out through the you know, Western region, and then uh, first up, we went up the coast of Queensland, and then I think we, we needed a week to dry out, and then we went off for another two week <laughs> jaunt through the Western yeah. Queensland, and yeah. it all culminated in a in a conversation that Carl Rackerman brought the whole whole squad in that were there. Um, there was this old you know cowboy. Um, he looked eighty five. He might have been sixty, but he looked you know eighty five. Um, little bloke, uh, 
you know, cow cocky from out west, um, cowboy hat on, big boots, jeans and a, you know, the check shirt and whatever. It just looked like a cowboy. Um, and Carl called us, called us in and he said, boys, come here, listen to this story. I forget the guy's name, but um, he said, right, how'd you get here? So I, I rode my horse 12 hours to get to a, you know, bus station. I drove, got a bus to Alice Springs to get the train to Mount Isa, et cetera, to get here. And he said, how are you getting home? So I got to get a train back to Mount Isa, get a bus to some station out in Northern Territory, and then I got to ride my horse again, you know, another 12 hours to get, get back to the, the property. And it, all he said, this cowboy, all he said was, boys, you've made my life. I can now die a very happy man. I've seen the shield. I've seen the guys who won it for the first time. And he said, thank you very much. And he just turned around and walked out and gone. And we all stood there. That's, mm-hmm. that's pretty weird, that. You know, why would you, why would you come all that way? And you know, everyone just said, well, that's what it meant to Queenslanders. You know, that's what it meant. Um, and that's when we first, that's when we realised, shit, it doesn't just make us happy. It doesn't make the happy people in Brisbane happy. It makes the whole of Queensland. And no matter the where they Queensland. are, there's Queenslanders out there all over the place. And it just made them realise, okay, well, we can do this. Um, and, mate, it, it, it turned us turned us around, you know, the boys in tears, you know, thinking, wow, this is this is quite yeah. a powerful uh, message that this guy has sent us. Um, and, you know, thankful for Carl to, to, to pick up on it and bring us all together and stand there, shake this guy's hand, thank you for his support, um, you know, wish him well on his travels back to the back to the cat you know, to the farm so mate it, it was quite powerful yeah and typical of Carl I, I had a little bit to do with him in his uh, indoor cricket center in uh, Jindalee and a, and a good bloke but not so good that he didn't rip my head off a couple of times with a few <laughs> short ones so, thanks Carl <laughs> uh, you were lucky you only yeah. got him once a while I remember talking to uh, Jamie Siddons was batting at the Gabba once um, playing for South Australia and Carl didn't quite see eye to eye with Jamie and, you know, he, he was giving quite a few um, up around the ear, earlobes and what have you and Jamie looked a little bit <laughs> uncomfortable. I remember saying, come on, come on, Carl, he's not enjoying this. And he goes, well, you wouldn't enjoy it batting out here either. I said, mate, we've got to face him twice a week out the back <laughs> of those nets. <laughs> yeah. Out here, I'd love it out here rather than in there. <laughs> Hey, you, don't get, you don't get called no ball in the nets, do you? No, that's it. I'm mocking. God bless him. He first couple he didn't know where they were going, but uh, when he got it right, um, Viv Richards actually did say he labelled him the most dangerous white man he's ever faced. So that's a pretty that right? that's a pretty good accolade coming from one of the greats. Yeah, it's funny, uh, Stu. You were talking before about um, sort of recognising that you were you were playing for. Uh, Queensland and you were sort of um, one of 11 guys but still one of you know the whole population of Queensland this is one of the I think the 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 things that's coming out in in a lot of the stuff we're doing in this uh, series that and that that was certainly my my feeling at the time that these blokes I mean they're obviously much better rugby league players or in your case much better uh, cricketers but you were still us. You were representing us, mm. and and we we weren't uh, we weren't in any way shy about enjoying in the celebrating because we we thought we had won just at the same time as as you had won. Yeah. And 
it's I think it took a little while to realize that that's how everyone felt about it and it's nice to hear that that's how the players felt because uh, that was certainly our thinking yeah and look you know we 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 certainly celebrated when we won um you mm. know we we had a motto that we're going to play it really hard on the field and we're also going to celebrate hard when we when we win but when we lose we're going to commiserate as well we're not just going to sit down and and wallow we're going to be the same you know people after after a win, loss, draw, whatever it might be. Um, but, yeah, look, to, I, I see it from a, a supporter of rugby league, um, how the supporters of cricket see it. Um, when Queensland win a state of origin, I've got mates from, you know, all over the place, New South Wales and whatever, and when that game is on, there is, you know, there's barbs flying left, right and centre over text or social media, whatever it might be, but... I think that's 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 the that's the greatest thing about the sport is that you know you can have best mates go at each other for eighty minutes you know three times a year um, and then at the end of it all we we dust ourselves off we have a beer and you know go back to normal so look I think that's I think that's the beauty not only of sport but particularly the the rivalry that Queensland and New South Wales have um, I, I think it's it's second to none in sport in a way. Um, was, was there a little extra edge between Queensland and New South Wales in uh, in cricket? Was oh, it yeah. a little bit hotter? Yeah. Um, I remember uh, Steve Waugh said to me after a Shield match once, he said, mate, can I just have a chat to you? And I thought, oh, shit, here we go. What have I done now? I've upset him some, some way. And he goes, I just want to say thanks. That's the toughest game of cricket. That's tougher than any test match I've ever played in. And this mm. is when I was – I I'd, you know, it's well documented and and whatever. I was I was pretty upset with the way I was treated by Cricket Australia. But in the end, sit down, you think, well, I've only got myself to blame. I didn't score the runs I needed to score when I should have, etc. But my my objective then was to make Queensland the best team it could be uh, when I was captain. Um, I wanted us to beat not only every team in, in in our competition, the domestic competition. If we played against an international team, I wanted to beat them. Um, just so everyone knew that Queensland were the real, they're, they're the real deal here. Um, I lost a lot of friends. Um, people don't like me for it. Um, I remember Trevor Hone saying to me, um, Chairman of Selectors of Australia, he said, right, this practice match, or this match for the um, series might against Pakistan, um, before the first test in Brisbane, we're playing them out at Allen Borderfield. He said, right, I want you to win the toss. I want you to try and bat for three days. And I went, no, mate. We're not doing that. We're going to beat them. And he said, "No, no, no. I don't want you to give them too much practice." I said, "Mate, I don't care what you want. We're not going to. We're not going to. We're not going to bloody sit there and play negative cricket. We're going to try and beat them." And he, after the day one, he goes, "Oh, look, this is not looking good." I said, "Mate, we're going to beat them. Okay, we're going to." And ended up beating them. And he he sat me down after the game, or he called me up and said, "Look, mate, I, I think that's wrong. I don't know what you're doing. I asked you to do this. You went against me." I said, I said Trevor. Queensland just beat Pakistan. They're lining up against Australia next week. How do you think they feel right now having been beaten by a domestic team and they've got to go out and face a, the, the, one of the greatest teams on the planet? So I think we're doing all right here, mate. And that, that's just how it mm. was. You know, I, I lost a lot of friends maybe, but I just wanted Queensland to be the, the hardest, toughest game of cricket um, that anyone had come up and play against. And, and when Steve Waugh said that to me, that gave me, you know, Tremendous, you know, good feel um, coming from one of the greats of Australian cricket, one of the toughest competitors on the planet to say that, you know, we, we provided the extra 
that they they needed to to remain at the top, and you know it made me very proud. And and so it should have. Well, I'm uh, I'm I'm I was so excited when I, I was living away at the time when uh, the, we won the first shield. When we won the first shield. When you won the first uh, shield. No, no, of course we won, mate. Not me. It <laughs> <laughs> was. Um, I was uh, I was in Ireland at the at the time, and I was just so excited. You know, I was I was walking around on air for a couple of weeks, and I, no one over there could understand. I mean, they're, they're you know, as you know, they're, they're they're pretty much into their cricket, but they couldn't understand the 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 feeling that a Queenslander would have after after winning the Shield for the first time. You know, that was that was about as excited as I've been in. Uh, <laughs> In, in sport, yeah, right, and, and every right to be. Yeah, I was. Um, I'm. I'm happy to say I was at the first. Steve and I were both at the first Origin game in 1980. Yeah, and I was at that. I went. I went to the that Shield game that Saturday. Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I went, and it was it was about, it was before lunch, wasn't it? It was before lunch when um, uh, Queensland got that that final wicket. Was that right? Uh, no, the final wicket fell. I reckon the final wicket fell. It's it's a photo in inside Queensland cricket. There's a big wall dedicated to the final scoreboard, and I reckon it is yeah. three forty eight. I think was the final oh, wicket really? on day five. So right. yeah, when uh, Paul Jackson got Jason Gillespie caught by Carl Rackerman. Carl Rackerman, yes. Um, yeah, I was, there, I was there. I got the time wrong, but I was there, and I was sitting on the side where the um, the East, the state school, this little state school that they're yeah. going to demolish yeah, yeah. because of the, yeah, the big yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. state school. Yeah, yeah, is, is currently. <laughs> and everybody, yeah, the, the 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 crowd, just being in the crowd was just phenomenal. It was just something special. So, yeah, so I can't imagine what it was like for you guys. Oh, <laughs> mate. <laughs> um, well, each year that's gone past. Um, you know, three million people were there that day when we when the last mm. last week. It's like Woodstock. Yeah, it was. Mate. Yeah. And, you know, the ground held ten thousand instead of the the eighteen or what have you before the Dean brothers came in and removed two grandstands. Um, but you know what? Uh, that moment, um, the euphoria, and you know the way. Not it wasn't just a you know we scraped over the line. We we dominated that match, and that was the pleasing thing yes. about it. We didn't just turn up and, you know, go through the motions. We actually went out there and we dominated that cricket match. And to win it, it was an innings and a few, wasn't it? It was, it? Innings, it was an innings. Yeah, and about 30 or something like that. So yeah. we went 400 it. on them the first innings, wasn't well, it? Was, it was exactly 400. No, 600 or 650, I think, close to, mate. Remember AB got 95, uh, 97. Uh, Martin Love got 150. Yeah. Um, Trevor Barsby Four. got... He got plenty as well. He might have got 150 as well, but it was just crazy, mate. I was the only one who missed out um, in the top six. Uh, I got 11, uh, but a beautiful 11. Um, Good 11. Yeah. <laughs> well played. Oh, well no, played. thanks. Thanks, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, mate, it was it, it was something else, you know. And that, that afternoon, we, we couldn't get into our dressing room because um, the grandstand had been knocked down where the old dressing rooms were. We were in the uh, Brisbane Lions dressing rooms. Um and we were out on the field getting the you know, trophy presentation, uh, doing the, the usual photos, autographs, um, interviews with TV, etc. And as we walked back in, 
there was about 400 people in the dressing room. Um, and they're all the ex-players there, which is great. You know, Sammy Trimble's, um, you know, his son Glenn was in there. Uh, so many more I can't mm. mention. If I'm mad if I try to remember them all. But seriously, there was about 400, and we found out why. And a lot of them were just punters off the street. Now, if you went out the back of the Clem Jones stand and you walked along the street, that's that's the side where the dressing rooms were. There was a doorway where the catering came in to the ground, and it happened to come into through our dressing room. And for whatever known reason, the door was left open. So people were leaving the ground. They were seeing this commotion, hearing this commotion through this doorway, and they all just come in and have a look. Before you know it, there's 400 people in the dressing room and beers flowing. That's and, amazing. And we came in. We couldn't even get in our own dressing room. It was very funny. So where did you celebrate that night? Where did it right. go on to? Where didn't we? Um, we well, we were sponsored by City Rowers at the time, City Rowers on Pier 9. So right. we, uh, yeah. we went into, I think we got there about midnight. Um, after we spent, I think it was, it was important that we spent time together after achieving something very special and, you know, mm. we, we eventually kicked most of the people out of the dressing room at about 10 o'clock. Um, a few of us went and sat and had a, the obligatory, you know, drink on the pitch um, to celebrate, you know, the the victory. And then we all disappeared into um, into City Rowers. I think I got there about midnight. I think Jimmy Marr was there from about 9 o'clock in his whites, um, still, <laughs> still with his spikes on, <laughs> dancing on the dance floor. Um, um, but, yeah, I think we... We started there, and I, don't, I think we finished about three months later um, celebrating. Yeah. I remember. T- yeah. <laughs> that's the infamous, isn't there? Jimmy Marr on the footy show um, uh, the next morning or the next evening or whatever. But I don't think Marr, but I don't think Jimmy went home for three days. He might have gone home to shower and change, but um, that was about it. Didn't go home to sleep. Um, yeah, one hell of a party. Yeah. Good man. Well, he, he represented us well. <laughs> He did. He did. He does. He doesn't miss out on a party. That's for sure, Big Jimmy. Let's move on a little bit, shall we? We're um, we're absolutely thrilled that uh, Stu is going to stay with us for the whole show. So um, let's uh, Jeff delve into our usual um, what was going on at the time uh, theme. So what we, we last week we spoke about uh, music in '84. What was going on in uh, movies in '84? So, Jeff, okay. what was happening in uh, in movies in 1984? Well, we talked talked music in the last episode, and 1984 was full of the big music hits, all the the Springsteen, the the uh, Prince, Michael Jackson, anything anything big. Cindy Lauper, music wise, seemed to come from 1984, and it's a similar thing with with movies. And there's also um, a lot of that music was crossover on soundtracks from 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 those movies, but the um, I'm talking about movies like uh, Ghostbusters, uh, Terminator, Beverly Hills Cop, um, Gremlins. <laughs> um, uh, I never Nightmare saw Gremlins. Old... I'm not yeah. sure that I should. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> okay. You don't know there's any sleep over that. Uh, Oscar went to uh, Armadeus, which I haven't seen. That probably says more about me than it does about. Um, well, then it says it about me too, and possibly Stu. But yeah, I haven't seen me it. as well. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. <laughs> yeah, and that well, interesting thing what came, out in, um, <laughs> what came out in 1984 was the they're now calling some people are calling the greatest um, rock documentary of all time. Stop making sense with Talking Heads, 
the which Talking is Heads now the 2023 versions out now with it's all remastered and um, uh, released mm. in 4K and all that kind of stuff. So I thought that was interesting. I know Talking Heads got quite big back then, but it's, they, they certainly weren't talking about it being the greatest rock documentary of all time. But no, but anyway, no, that's um, that was that was an interesting little sideline in 1994. Um, as far as sort of culty films, there was Paris, Texas. And and uh, Repo Man, and they both starred um, Harry Dean Stanton, the legendary mm. uh, the, the actor. And he sometimes sings, but he shouldn't. But anyway, there you go. <laughs> uh, and also, if you remember, um, I'm sure you will, uh, Spinal Tap. This is Spinal Tap, which was one that of the was, first one of the documentaries where you just could not work out what the hell was going on. That was, that was 1984 as well. Um, that, that was one of those movies that... Um, there were so many little sound bites and phrases and things that became part of the um, sort of mainstream use. And I was using phrases from that movie without having ever seen it at the time. Um, the things whole, like, you turn know, it up to 11. Turn, turn it up to 11, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'd robbed it without knowing. Just, did, just, did you uh, get into Spinal Tap, Stu? Was that. No, no. Um, mate, it wasn't a massive movie buff. Um, Hmm. Back in the, back, I was only what sixteen in nineteen eighty four. So, I was um, I was out doing doing sport, cricket mainly. Um, but every other opportunity, we were outside. You know, we, we weren't hanging around. I didn't go to the movies on the weekend. I was playing cricket. Um, yeah, pretty boring, really. I know I was I was a boring kid. Um, but you know, I, I do remember. You know, we got into um, a lot of the team aspect things. You get into Moves you can sit there and watch without having to think too much and have a laugh with. So Police Academy was another one, wasn't it? Where um, yeah, that yeah. all began, and that's probably more more my speed. I, if I went to the movies, I didn't want to think. I just wanted to just go there, relax, escape from the world, which is what I thought movies were supposed to to give you. Um, and then when you're, you're home, you're back in the reality. So uh, I just tried to relax and have fun. Well, speaking of which. I've got a couple of things that happened in 1984 that um, that I didn't know about at the time, but apparently we had a Guinness World Record number, uh, and, and this was a Guinness World Record, uh, the Guinness guys were there, for the number of riders on a motorcycle uh, happened at Surface Paradise Raceway on June 22, 1984, where we managed to get 35 people on a motorbike. What? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> There's a Queensland record for you. Well, we something to be proud of. I reckon India would give it a fair shake yeah. these days. That's um, <laughs> right. That's just general commuting. Yeah. It's just, it's just picking the kids up from school. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Very good. And um, what else? Uh, in '84, we had a. Well, Stu, you've lived in uh, the UK for a while. I've been in Ireland, so I don't think this would count for us. But there was a massive snowfall in Queensland in 1984. There was two foot of snow in Stanthorpe and there were snow showers seen from Lennon's Hotel in the city. Right, there, okay, you there you go. Snow. There you go. Jeez, we could do with that, some of that now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, don't think there's much chance of it happening today. Oh, God, I wish it would, but no. Um, Another thing I think a lot of people remember from 1984 was Michael Jackson's hair caught fire when he's filming a, a TV ad for Pepsi. Pepsi, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of one of those things from from, um, from 1984. Um, and speak, speaking of uh, celebrity, um, high-profile celebrity stuff in 84, 
um, perfect match started yeah. in the five thirty ah, slot in uh, in eighty four, um, and uh, this actually was a momentous move. Hey, hey! It's Saturday. Moved from mornings to evening in nineteen eighty four. Moved from the was it eight thirty Saturday morning and went to nine thirty p.m. Yeah, was it nine thirty? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It yeah. was. It was. It became one of those things where everybody watched before they went out, kind of thing. Depending on what age you were, yeah. it became it became quite a thing, didn't it? That was a, fa- yeah. that was a yeah. family yeah. night in, wasn't it? Saturday nights. I remember watching that. Yeah. Quite yeah. A bit. All sat around as a family. It was. It was a great time. Yeah, I, I like that, and um, yeah, plenty of that is available on YouTube if you want to reminisce. Well, I've, I've got a, I've got a bit of bit of trivia for you um, about Go. perfect match. Um, Kerry Friend was the host. Mm-hmm. My uncle used to uh, was going out with her for for a number of years. So we used to have Christmas with Kerry come up to to Queensland from Sydney and you know share our share our Christmas day. So there you go. Very good. That was a that was an early brush with celebrity for you. Yeah. <laughs> Although with my uncle, if you knew my uncle, it uh, you wouldn't have known she was a celebrity. It was just. Just treated, we just treated her like a normal person. She was a great girl, so um, it, it was it was it was nice to to see that, and then see her on TV, which we thought, well, there you go, that's that's Kerry, Auntie yeah. Kerry. <laughs> yeah. I, I found that show just so hard to watch. It was one of those, you know, you, I'd watch it through my fingers, sort of thing, or behind the couch. I, I just couldn't listen to those answers without dying for them. <laughs> but it was it was it was early days for. Almost reality, okay, so it was reality. Mm. But do you mm. remember that, so you get the perfect match at the end and they would go off on a holiday? Yeah. Mm. And then part of the show was you'd see a previous winning couple, how their holiday went. Because they'd always go to somewhere like, you know, right. an island, the Hayman Island, something like Great Keppel, something like that. Yeah. And so it'd be that, oh, oh, it was great or, you know, it didn't go so well. So it was very... Yeah, I know it was, it's very sort of um, is cringy, but you're also going. It was a bit compelling. It's a little bit like before Big Brother and stuff, but you know, it's just that whole human exposure thing. I'm oh, like, oh my god, you people opened up. You know, there's there's a new one in the UK. Um, it's probably all over the world now, but um, it's called Naked Attraction, oh. where they. they Oh. The guests come on, then everyone's nude. Although this is what what the hell? Yeah, you reckon? You know, you reckon? Uh, um, perfect match is cringy. Sitting there trying to watch that. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. My wife says, "Oh, oh you should we've... you should watch this. This this is quite funny. This is good." Oh, I watched about two seconds. I went, "No chance. I'm out of it." No. <laughs> oh no, I'd be dying, dying. Um. One thing that we um, that we talked about last week, um, and I just want to Stu get your view on this. This eighty four was infamously when um, Australia uh, got thumped by the Windies, and um, Kim Hughes uh, resigned mm. in uh, Brisbane after the the what was that the third third test I think of that uh, series, and I always had really mixed feelings about the thing and strong feelings that making the man front up in on television when he was obviously upset. And I, I think it's, it's fairly well known that, it, you know, probably wasn't his first choice to resign, but he was sort of coerced to, to do so making him do it on tally 
it just really bothered me mm-hmm. that um, that this. What, what were your thoughts on that? Was, was that something that should have happened, or I mean, maybe they wouldn't now with proper media training and relations and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, look, you don't know what's going on. We, we have no idea. I, I'm fortunate enough to to know Kim, you know, well enough to to call him a, a, a good mate. So you never bring up the subject. That's for sure. Um, no. Look, and there, there must have been different circumstances um, that weren't public knowledge um, for him to front the media at that night. But he might have just called and said, "Look, I've had enough." And then once mm. you once you're in that moment, you, <laughs> the cameras are rolling. Mm. Once the emotion hits, you can't stop. You know. So yeah. Look, I think it. I think it boils down to um, the, the emotion that he showed. Just shows you how much it meant to him. Um, right, you know, representing Australia is you know one huge honour, but to be captain of Australia, um, you know, they say it's the the second most important job in Australia to the uh, to the right. prime ministership. Um, so you have got the weight of your, your country on your shoulders. Um, it's something you love doing, and and to actually you know think you're okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll announce I'm retiring or stepping down. And when you're in that moment. When that emotion hits, you, you can't stop it, mate. So look, it, it's one of those things. He probably thought he was okay to start it, but didn't really understand mm. what was going to come through. And you, you don't know that yeah. when it's emotion. It, emotion comes out at some of the weirdest times. Yeah, it, I remember watching it live and being really bothered by it. Now, I was probably bothered more by the the fact that I liked him, yeah. and um, you know, he was such a such a great player, such a flamboyant. Um, player and when he got in amongst it, you know he was as pretty to watch as as any bat that I can remember seeing. Yeah, unbelievable. I think was it was it that series where he he batted um, batted with a broken toe, he couldn't move his feet, a bit like uh, Glenn yeah, McIlroy right. the other day against Afghanistan, couldn't oh, move his feet. Yeah. He had a big hole cut in his shoe so his toe could actually come through um, to, yeah. to alleviate pain, and he's facing guys like Joel Garner, who's who had one of the most lethal oh. Yorkers that you know. 90 plus mile an hour, Malcolm Marshall, you name it. And he goes out and makes 100 not out, um, batting with the tail and and taking them on, you know, running down the pitch and playing pull shots. Running down the pitch at them. Yeah. Unheard of, mate, against those guys. You, and not, you he's, not, he's, not all, he's not all helmeted up like the guys are now, no. which, I mean, which is a good thing. But they were, they were, they were, that was brave. And he was, I don't know, he, I think he was a tougher, tougher player, a tougher person than he was sort of painted out by the media. Yeah, Probably I think based so. on the fact that you shed a few tears, you know. Well, I think so. When someone shows emotion, they they, they you know put, pour their heart on their sleeve and they they shed a tear mm. or two. Everyone says, "Oh no, he's a he's mentally weak." Well, it can't be, you know. That's that's just no, no. that's just wrong, you know. Um, the way that he played, as you say, flamboyant. Um, when he played in those Ashes series, I remember sitting up till you know three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning watching him on TV and. The innings he played at Lords in the centenary test where he got a hundred in no time again. Mate, one of yeah. the one of the best stroke makers and fearless stroke makers, you know, mm. Australia's ever produced. And you know, to, to tout him with, you know, one bit of, you know, media scrutiny, um, and you know, level it all on one one person, I think that's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, you know, knowing Unfair. the bloke as well, he's an absolute he's a ripper. He's a great bloke. So I, mm. I've enjoyed his company. I've been lucky enough to enjoy his company and Mate, he calls a spade a spade, which I like uh, as a human trope. Mm. Um, at least you know where you stand. But he 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 taught me in a very short time how to bat at the whacker, um, and he only, mm. he only said about three or four. 
Yeah, I, I, it really it sort of annoyed me that towards the end that he was getting slaughtered for uh, playing the hook shot a lot, and and he was getting out regularly with the the hook shot. But you know, I, far be it for me to tell you. <laughs> I mean, he has to score runs somewhere, yeah. and if you're getting three or four short balls and over, what are you going to do? You're going to have to. Yeah, you're going to have to get on with it somehow. Yeah, and look, that, and that was the mentality he had. He, he thought, right, how can I score? Um, they're not pitching yeah. up. And why would you pitch up with a cover drive like he had? You would be pitching up. You'd be bowling Indeed. short. And, you know, sometimes your strength becomes your weakness because, you know, you play it that often. Right. You're going to make a mistake every now and then. And, you know, mm. if, if everyone says, no, you can't play the hook shot, but you get out cover driving, that's okay. You know, it's, it's a yeah. shot where you're going to score runs. Um, you know, people just make up their minds too early, I think, and you know, mm. it's it's not worth thinking about. It's it's like nowadays when you have all this scrutiny on social media. What what's it matter? You know, who are they? Mm. Who are they? You don't know them. They don't know you. But here they are making an assumption on your personality, your your character, and they've got yeah. no idea what they're dealing with. So it just mm. means nothing. Mm. Yes, fair comment. Um, okay, well, look, I'm sorry I dragged us into the uh, the Kim Hughes thing again. That just bugs the hell out of me. That one. Here's my um, here's my favorite player. Like it was that when you went, are you gonna is Hughes bored up? Here's my he was my favorite player, and I'm glad to hear that he was a good bloke. I suspected that, but it's it's mm. always nice to hear yeah, good good bloke as well because um, the other sort is fabulous player and um, yeah, and uh, right. and, and misunderstood. I, I think people forget over with history they. It's only those little moments that sort of stand out, and it's not the hundred against the windies that people talk about. But anyway, no, let's true. let's move on. Let's move on to forty. Yes, let's, let, let's move move on to Tuesday, the nineteenth of June, nineteen eighty four, at the SCG. Um, and what can we say? The crowd twenty nine thousand and eighty eight people at the SCG, so a reasonable crowd. Um. And considering that the weather was horrific, I think it was a great um, crowd. Considering that, <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Well, so did the commentators, and um, and once again, it was only still early days of full series and so on. And so, for the crowds to come out, they're starting to take this seriously. Mm. Um, yeah, out that weather. You know, imagine if it had been it had been nineteen seventy nine, there would have been nobody. You know, <laughs> so well. There, there was that. What was that? Uh, the second game in uh, the interstate series in, uh, in. No, it was the second game in 1980 uh, when Leicard Wally played, played halfback at Leichhardt Oval, and there yeah. were what 1,000 people or 1,500 <laughs> people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we we got far more than that at reserve grade games at Pertell Park. <laughs> um, hey, that was good. Yeah, games. hard to believe, but. <laughs> <laughs> Great games of footy. Um, so anyway, yeah, we got twenty nine thousand at uh, at uh, the SCG. Um, the weather appalling, although during the game wasn't wasn't nearly as bad as it had been for the couple of days leading up uh, to the game. And the the uh, pitch conditions, my God! And I have to say, not just because you're here today, Stu, but as a as a an ex cricketer of sorts, it is hard to watch the the um, pitch square being reduced to just that <laughs> pile of soggy mud oh my God, yeah. um yeah breaks my heart but anyway that's uh that's what it was um and it was this was never going to be a classic um it, well although 
has for a classic some, moment. Exactly. Yeah, well said. There are a few classic moments in this uh, this game, um, and a couple of them are in that highlight reel, you know, that you see every time uh, Origin yeah. is uh, yep. Yep. Uh, spoken about. But rather than me rabbit on, Jeff, why don't you um, walk us through the game? Or do you want to go through the teams first? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, cool. good, good idea. Let's do that. Um, so why don't you go first? Who would you like this week? I'll go with Queensland this week. Okay. Um, it's, pretty, it's a pretty solid lineup um, and pretty consistent and not, not many changes. I've got Cole Scott. Jeez, Cole Scott played more games than I thought for Queensland. He played a lot, <laughs> didn't he? Um, yeah, he uh, sure did. Cole Scott at fullback. Um, Kerry Bosted's back on the wing, which is just fantastic. Uh, Meninga and Close swap this time round because they want. That's right. You know, you, what do you do? You got Miles and Miles in the centres. Close this time. Previous game was Miles and Meninga, which would obviously become that classic combo. We got so we got Miles and Close. Mal on the wing. Uh, Wally, uh, Mark Murray, Paul Vorton. Now I've got. I've started in my notes now to write just WFS for Wally Fullerton Smith. And I think that's what, yeah. you know, before the SBW, you know, the Sunny Bill Williams. I don't think nobody had WFS, yeah. did they, back then? They should have. Um, the uh, the amazing Brian Niebling is uh, packing down with WFS. Front rows, uh, Brown, Greg Dowling. It's only second game, Dowling, I think. Um, and Second origin game. Second origin game, yes. And uh, Greg Kaneski, the Turtles, at um, is hooking. And on the bench, we've got Bob Linder. And the uh, the mighty Tony Curry, who didn't get a run, I don't think, in this game. <laughs> no, but in in some ways, this is the classic uh, Queensland lineup from the mid eighties, isn't it? It's just yeah. the, that it, it was a very consistent uh, team, and I, you have to, I, I think, give a lot of credit to the selectors for not bowing to pressure to uh, to throw in the, this year's phenom. You know, they were very very keen to go with the guys that. Have done it in the past under the under the huge pressure that Origin would uh, produce, and um, they they kept picking them, which was a very different model to the um, the New South Wales uh, setup, and still is, and still it's... is, yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's let's have a look at the New South Wales team. Um, uh, friend of the pod, Gary Jack at uh, fullback, uh, Eric Groth and Ross Conlon on the wing. Um, Centers uh, Kenny and Farah Andrew Farah came in uh, for this game. He was in and out of the team uh, over the next few years, and and a good tough hard uh, player. Um, and probably the fact that um, Farah comes in and the uh, Canterbury half combination of Terry Lamb and uh, Steve Mortimer come in, uh, you know, great sort of combination there. Um, forwards Price is still. Uh, at lock, is this his final game of Origin footy? I have a feeling it is. Uh, I have to have a think yeah, about that. Sure. Um, Pierce and Cleal in the in the second row, and a front row of uh, Steve Roach is still there from the first game. Roy Simmons comes Simmons comes in for his first Origin game, and uh, which would launch him on to a, a great uh, a representative career, and he'd uh, play for Australia a bunch of times too. And uh, Peter Tonks. A uh, really hard, tough uh, bloke uh, coming in at um, in the front row. I think he had played in the second row uh, in '82. I'm pretty confident, um, yeah. but you know, had acquitted himself well. 
on the bench for some reason. Steve Ellis on the bench. I never understood that. I was delighted to see him on the bench. I didn't oh, want him on the in the starting. He's uh, electric. Thirteen. I was going to say every time he comes on, they get they shift up a gear. It's just and look and, and look talking about the 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 um the bulldogs connection with you know Lamb Mortimer and Farah. This is Farah. It's similar. They must have been going. Oh, do we go Parramatta? Do we go bulldogs? But mm. um, yeah. Mm. So yeah, but once but I, when I was... Ella comes. Just, yeah, I, I was always thrilled to see him on the bench. Um, it was the same a, a few years later, whenever the New South Wales would pick um, Michael O'Connor on the wing, I'd say, well, thank God for that. They haven't picked him in the centres where he can do damage to us on both sides of the field. Um, but anyway, Ella's <laughs> um, on, uh, on the bench. And um, who uh, Barry Gummersell's um, ref for this match to to nobody's um, delight south of the border, um, and certainly uh, not Gary was, Jack. <laughs> certainly, not, certainly not friend of the pod, Gary Jack. No. Gary, um, Gary was, was very um, upfront in his opinion of. The wife said he's a great bloke. I've never beer with him. But he said, "Yeah, not, not a great ref." <laughs> yeah. He's um, good when, for well, us. Yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> he was colourful. I think we settled on colourful in the end. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was the uh, that was the the lineup. Um. And yeah, so Jeff, take it away. Well, look, we know this is a a mud a mud bath, so there's not not um not a great deal of attacking footy. So I'll just I'll just skip through to the highlights. But the, one of the highlights started uh, the second tackle of the game. When it was just a an all in all in brawl started with um it started with Simmons um had to go at Miles because Miles had um, just trampled all over Turvey legally just just um trampled all over him as Miles <laughs> tended to do to people um so it was all it was all in and, and you know, Blues this was their thing you know they just wanted to put Queensland off their game um, Ray Price came screaming in to uh, get <laughs> get try and get to get his head taken Miles. off by Chris Close. Chris Close. Now, Close was on the ground at this point, being held down by Kenny. Now, Kenny wasn't a fighter, but um, uh, but while Kenny had Close on the ground, Price was was having to go. Uh, yeah, Price was having to go at Close. So that 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 didn't that wasn't a good look. Um, so there was that legendary shot where Close has got his jumper ripped off him. He's just running around, running around like the Hulk. So that was that was a that was a great that was a great start. So it was, you know, and there was a lot of a lot of swinging arms going on. So there were three three penalties to Queensland within the first. Four minutes, all 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 to do with all to do with um New South Wales wanting to wanting to punch on, um, uh, Steve Roach who look he this is still he that was only his second game as well I think he debuted with Dowling didn't he, um yes and yeah in, in game one look and he was he was already like Dowling he was showing starting to show his class and also how good they were on their feet for big blokes and how good mm. they were as, as ball players, um. There was obviously going to be it was a kicking game because of the wet, so that was that was that was very clear. And Andrew Farrah had the big boot, as I mean, obviously as did Wally. And Gene Miles kicked a lot as well. Um, so this was there was just a lot of back and forth with the kicking going going for the territory, um, and, and a lot of like, uh, a lot of kicking on uh, on the first or second tackle. tackle uh, Lewis second wasn't, tackle, yeah. yeah, which yeah. which is which just looking for field position. Because mm. when you look at the field, like it was all, all in the middle was just a complete um, puddle of mud. Um, and yeah. look, they did try. Look, they did try. 
throwing it around a bit, but it just was just not gonna. It was just not gonna happen. I think earlier the earlier on the piece when the ball was probably less slimy, but it just got become became impossible. You know, it was just it was. It was a piece of soap. You can see it. It was just popping out of their hands. Like, it was just comical. Worth worth pointing out that this is just before the advent of uh, all-weather 40s. Yeah. So they're they're still using a uh, a leather. um, And they got so heavy when they got wet, those balls. And and that that bubbly feeling. So if you just rubbed your thumb over it, it had come up bubbly and slimy. Mm. And how are you going to... How are you going to catch that when Steve Roach is bearing down on you? I'm not quite so sure. Oh, absolutely. So this went on for 20 minutes before there was a scoring opportunity, which went to um, Conlon. Got a, it might have been earlier than 20 minutes, but Conlon gets a, a kick right right in front um, and he misses it. So he's, he's, as we spoke about last game, Ross Conlon's in there purely because he's at that massive boot. So he's missed. he misses that. He misses one in front. And then a few minutes later... Um, he misses another one. And so those points are pretty valuable in what's going to be a low-scoring game. So it's still mm. all – it could have been 4-0, um, which obviously would have changed the complexion of the game a little a little bit. Um, um, but this 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 kicking strategy just, just continues. Um, though they Jack, – Jack Gibson was, was like almost buddy, having conniptions about why they weren't just running it straight and, and, and playing – playing tight wet, wet weather footy, which I thought too, but it just felt like, I don't know whether they felt like we're here to put on a show. I don't know what it was or whether it was like when we were talking with Gary Jack, they didn't seem to, the Blues in particular didn't seem to have, they just went out and played what was in front of them. So whether they actually sat down and said, we're going to play it play it tight, boys, or just whatever, whatever happened. Um, look, even... Um, um, Everyone was dropping one. Now, I'd never seen this before. Wally dropped one cold, like not not a mm. one dropped one cold. This is like we're half an hour into the game. Um, scrums are five one to New South Wales, um, and it's just it's just becoming uh, just a, a drop fest, and that's understandable. Though, as I say, I'm surprised they didn't tighten it up. But you know, um, that's why. Do you think? That, do you think with the with with the New South Wales running and Queensland running not straight, if you run straight, you're going straight into the mud bath. They, mm. they probably thought that where the grass is on the outskirts of the wicket block might be firmer yes. so they can get a better yes. foothold so they can stop and, you know, change. I know Eric Groth made a, made a break from a kick. Yeah. He ran it on an angle, yes. cross field, but all of a sudden he got through the, the line, the first line, and he ended up, you know, making about 30, 40 metres. So... Maybe that was their thought process: get get out of the mud and get to the uh, get to the grass and try and try and stay on your feet that way. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. No, I think that's that's probably fair comment. Um, Queensland's strategy seemed to be um, to kick it over the mud, <laughs> kick it into the the corners where uh, where possible. Um, but I think as the half uh, progresses, um, the ball is just becoming impossible to handle. To the point where just carrying the ball up, the ball was being squeezed out of possession time after time in the tackle, and it, it was it was becoming very very difficult to uh, to have have any cohesion of attack. Yeah, no, mate. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, and it was the other the other point with the ball being slippery. I think the players were slippery too. If they'd got any, yeah. 
like with the growth break, a couple of breaks, if you just got in the clear a little bit, you're you're pretty you're pretty hard to bring down. Yeah. So it's um, so it's nil in at, at half time. Um, they gave some stats that Queensland had dropped the ball nineteen times to New South Wales nine, which sometimes normally that would say that they their handling was bad. I just think it's just everyone who had the ball dropped it. <laughs> so you just Queensland just had the ball more. I think that's what it was, Jeff. I, I, I just think we had more of the ball. I didn't see a, a stat of uh, possession, um, but I, I would say we had a, a, a we dominated possession. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, it's um. I, I think that's I think that's right. And I think um, yeah, at the start of the second half, there's an interesting little little um, piece of play where um, Wally was starting to put in not just bombs, but just little kicks towards the the goal. He'd done it a couple of times in the first half, just to to um, I think uh, obviously put Gary Jack under pressure, but kicking it near the near the um, the goalpost where anything could happen. Um, because it was such the ball was so so hard to handle, um, so he, he put in um, he put in one of those and um, Gary Jack took it well, but was caught in goal, and um, it led to a dropout from Quill, <laughs> which was one yeah. of the great air swings of all time. Um, and you had to feel sorry for him because Wally nearly did one early in the first half. Wally got one only about fifteen meters, and you go that was. Yeah, but it was just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that uh, that great um, story, and I'm not sure if this isn't apocryphal. I have a suspicion that it is. That after Wally had that shocker in the first half, poor old Noel Clell had a had an area with his, and uh, the next one Wally had, um, it's claimed that he distracted um, Gomesall's attention and then just punted it down the field, never dropped it at all. And just ah, booted it you, out yeah. the So I'm not I'm not sure if that's true. I'm gonna go with it is true because it's a great story. Yeah, never the truth is the way of a good story. Exactly. I'd never have before you. <laughs> I'm not gonna start now. Oh god. Yes, and I mean Jeff, the... just, just one other thing I was just thinking of when I was uh, watching this back the other day. Um Wally's kicking was uh, was fabulous and and pinpoint dropping on the uh, on the goal line, um, and it, it did I think sort of reflect that um, in the last game Queensland had had success with exactly that um, that policy and that boasted um, uh, try uh, you know when he just uh, sprung up on the line uh, with the ball dropping literally on the line. I think that there was definitely a strategy that this, you know, history could repeat itself there, and particularly with a wet ball. You know, it was a, it was oh, well absolutely. worth a shot. I think while he was after a couple of goes in the first half, he tucked that away, and after even after Noel Cleal's, um air swing, there was another one or two maybe these little chips around around the goals just to keep them on their on their toes. Um, mm. Another little interesting thing happened about fifteen minute mark in the in the second half. Where Farah puts a cheap shot on Lewis with an elbow from behind, which mm, did was you know, it's never a good look. And yeah, okay. And then it was only about two tackles later. And this, and I noticed this as a pattern with the Queensland guys. Farah's trying to make um, uh, he's he's got um, he's he's making a little run. He gets absolutely cleaned up by Dave Brown and 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 Wally Fullerton Smith. But looked quite innocuous. It wasn't like the clean you know swinging arm kind of thing. 
and he got up looking really dusty as well. So there's that whole, you know, so I, I, I don't know whether it's just the Queenslander in me, but it felt like they were going, they just felt a bit more ninjury in their in the way they got well, they the, got their revenge. The one thing that we always and talked they, about, the one thing that we always talked about, if, you know, if someone on the field is getting you know, a mouthful and what have you, if one of us is cut, we all bleed. Yeah, right. So if you come at him, you're coming at me too. Don't yeah. that's, care who you are, that's, and that's what I reckon was happening. That's what they. Um, I reckon they just file it away, and it felt like they were. Sure. Don't just get up swinging. Mm. Let's 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 play the long game. But in this case, it wasn't. But I mean, that's that's just yeah. Just let's we'll we'll, we'll fight our time. But yeah, it'll. But it'll I, come. I think I think worth identifying that um, if you're gonna bide your time and then take your moment, I don't think. Dave Brown and Wally Fullerton Smith would be the two that I'd be taking on <laughs> in in any sort of any sort of toughness competition. And the backup, Wally Fullerton, Greg Greg Dowling as well as your backup. My goodness, exactly. Oh. This this we, we've talked about this a few times. This is a steely tough Queensland pack. Yeah, yeah. Now you know the New South Wales yeah. pack are not shrinking violets either. But I wouldn't want to make my living trying to. Uh, show up these guys they're, these they're hard hard men yeah and they play together a lot at this level they just they yeah. didn't one might come in one might come in but they know each other's game and i i was constantly surprised at how hard they're still hitting in the, the 70th minute mm. you know mm. the, the technique of all of them but particularly Neebling and um fullard and smith uh we've yeah. talked about this before but it reminds me oh it was, it was to come but like gilmeister guys who weren't necessarily big but jesus had that technique um we took terry randall back in the 70s for manly just those guys david gillespie guys just had that they just stopped you not just stopping your tracks they sent you backwards you felt you felt the felt the, the and, rattle and know? the other thing you got to keep in mind too none of them had an interchange break no, no. they've been on the field yeah. that and that type of field your legs are like concrete after about you know 20 minutes yep and they're yeah, still running in as you say just doing it for their mates just knocking people over. Now, mm. Brian Neebling, one of the unsung heroes of Queensland origin, oh, but also yeah. you know, the you know, Valleys days and uh, Wynnum days as well. Yeah. But Horse, I, I was lucky enough to, to get to know him a few times. What an absolute champion bloke he is. Um, mm. And the way he's so softly spoken. But then you go and watch him play and you think, my God, how, mm. how is this bloke who's so nice off the field turns into that thing out there and... Mate, they just yeah, they just went for eighty minutes. They were unbelievable. I was a bad mate of mine. You used to have to drag you off. You know, you had to have a broken leg. <laughs> yeah. So it was none of the. There's no strategy. It was just like I'm going to stay out there until you know. Yeah, I'm pretend I don't have a broken jaw. <laughs> the the commitment was phenomenal. Yeah, it, it really was, and and it and it still is today. But there's something course, about yeah. that that pre interchange days where. You, you you had no option. You are going to stay out there and you're going to fight for your mates around you. Well, it's a lot faster these days too. You, the game's sped up so much. And that's the problem that we have yeah. in cricket. We have so many people trying to compare eras. You know, our era is better than yours. I, look, I, I'm, mm. I'm not – I don't believe that. I think the eras were no. as good as they were going to be. And the era now has changed in in a good way. I think the, the rugby league that we watch today – I. I love. Oh, it's you know it's astounding how skillful they are, isn't it? How they skill level the Every player is so so skillful. They can all offload. They can all pass. They can they all run. You know, a hundred meters in you know ten flat. And you know, it's it's just amazing to watch. Back then, it was a different type of game, but the toughness that those guys showed was oh mate, unbelievable. 
I still think a good player is a good player, no matter which era he plays in. That's it. Righto, so we're um, we're in about the 15th minute of the um, second half, so we all know what happens here. Um, Mm. Queensland. Yeah, but I I do, but I want to hear it. Well, Queensland have had had a bit of possession. They're starting to string a a few, for for this game anyway, a few little, a few, um, not sets together, a few few plays in their... um, they're inside the inside the New South Wales quarter on the back of a good so a couple of good runs, but particularly uh, Wally Ford and Smith and Niebling running it towards the post. And so we talked about Wally seeing that this is a bit of, of an opportunity, the, the kicking the kicking around the post. Um, Gene Miles is at dummy half. Wally's positioned himself first off the ruck, just slightly to the left of the posts, um, and he's um, he puts in the uh, it's not. It's, it's not a bomb. It's just a, a, a sort of a shorter, shorter height kick um, up, and it's hit the crossbar. And our mate Greg Dowling has picked it up. If you picked it up like that in the dry, it would have been a miracle. But he's picked it up <laughs> off his toe in the oh, wet. He scored this. This well, we see it's in every state of origin promo pretty much. So he's he's just scored this absolute classic of a try and. You can tell how what it means to them, particularly Wally. How, how many goes? How many goes do you reckon it would take either of you, under those conditions, to pick up that ball an inch from the ground and scoot over like that? I, I reckon if you gave me a hundred goes, I wouldn't get close. No, no, no. Not, not after I've, I've I've already played fifty-five minutes of Origin <laughs> footy in the mud as a front rower. You know, like... yeah, it was freaky. Absolutely freaky to be able to pull that off. If it was a little guy like a Mark Murray or a Bostead or someone, it would still have been remarkable. Mm. But for, mm. that's what I mentioned, like you know, with hindsight. But you know, having having known what he had done, watching him in that first half, it, and not just him, even even guys like Roach, you get the skill level they have. But it's surprising for big blokes, um, and that's what makes those guys special, um, I think. And um, that was that was remarkable. Um, yeah, sports um, sports about iconic moments, and that's definitely one of them. It is for sure. It is. For sure, it's unbelievable. De- deserves its place on the highlight reel. That one. Oh, mate! Every year, I'm I'm so glad to watch it. Mm. <laughs> so that takes the score out to, to eight nil, which is a big. That's a lot in those in those conditions. Hours warming up on the sidelines, which is never 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 good news for us. Um, but New South Wales started. Piece together, you know, good attack given the conditions, and to the point where the um, the crowd start up the New South Wales chant, which is you know, Unheard good of. on them for having a go, good <laughs> on them for giving it a go. <laughs> but Wayne Pierce is starting to show what kind of player he's going to become, but he did make a big mistake. He went charging into uh, Lewis and Brown, um, like one, one off the ruck, like uh, six meters out from the, the yeah. from the line. Got absolutely, absolutely pummeled into the next leveled, week. Didn't they, yeah. But now, now Ella comes on for Kenny, which is a shame because Kenny's done a hammy. But yeah, as we've said before, Ella just starts to to light up and starts to make some really good breaks. And as we were saying before, there's another example of you know New South Wales Lamb kicks one um, uh, off the first tackle straight from the scrum. So this mm. kicking this possession mm. thing still going on. Um, so look. Ella makes Ella made a really good break at one point. Like it, it looked like he was going to get away, but um, that that came to nothing. Linda comes on for um, 
for Niebling. And he also, you notice the quality of, of Linda. I mean, he's coming on when the other blokes are a bit tired, but you just notice the quality of him. And as we said, like if he had been, if this had been maybe New South Wales, like he was he was tearing it up in the in the BRL, mm. you know, the temptation would be to chuck him in, you know, and, and maybe replace a Fullerton and Smith or a Niebling, but they, they don't, they don't do it that way. And I just think that Queensland still get it right the way they they bring yep. guys in. They bring in the 18th player like they do now. They weren't doing it then. But, you know, this this whole bringing, bringing guys in. Mm-hmm. So, look, um, it's um, New South Wales for some reason got a penalty and they decided to take take the two points to make it 8-2. Um, um, but um, they never really got close. Got, we got last just minutes to go. Um, Queensland are on the attack. Um, it's on the on the fifth tackle. Wally positions himself one off the ruck. So you think, well, it's going to Wally. Jeans at at, at dummy half again, the same as he was for that previous play when the, when the, for the Dowling try. But <clears throat> Gino decides, I think I'll have a try now, and he just runs over and um and and, and crashes over. Um, so the score ends up fourteen two, and the good guys win you, again. You really- you would you wouldn't want to make your living tackling Gene Miles close to the line, would you? He's a, <laughs> was a just monster. such a unit. Yeah, monster. Yeah. yeah. But you know what's you know the Queensland just had so many options, and we've talked about this also. What a great player mm. Murray was, but this switching that mm. not so much they didn't do it this game because of the conditions, but this um, switching between uh, Murray Murray going out to five eight, so Wally can do the big clearing pass to Murray. And then he'd throw the in ball, inside ball to Cole Scott or Hancock when he was playing. So they had, they had lots of options. Then now you start throwing in Miles and obviously Meninga. Meninga's been pretty quiet still this series in particular, which I think was injured. Yeah, that's that's right. He was he was in poor form, but he he was he was carrying a nasty injury and and was all season. I'm not entirely sure that the consistency of selection was necessarily right there. Although you have to say, um, what did he he kicked? I mean, he was in bad kicking form, but he still kicked. What did he kick? Three out of four in he in this well, game. Yeah. yeah. In in a game where the best kicker in um uh in New South Wales is <laughs> they had picked because of his kicking in Russ Conlon, yeah. and he kicked one from four. Yeah. So the old good topo, old man. okay. The old topo came up trump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have thought yeah. that the topo is going to outkick. The around uh, the corner in a mud bath like that in but those conditions. There you go. But I reckon too, it might yeah. have been the might have been the ploy from you know Queensland. Wally probably thought of it as well, just to say, right, we're going to kick everything under the posts. So if we do happen mm. to get a try, it's an easier kick to get two points. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You watch all you the attacks, attack was towards the posts. It was never towards the, the, yeah. the outskirts That's and whatever. Right. So maybe that was the reason. Uh, it sounds yeah. sounds entirely feasible. Well, it worked. Yep. It worked. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so fourteen two and um, and a, and a, yeah, as we say, not a not a classic uh, game really, but it had those uh, had those classic uh, moments. And um, uh, Queensland lead two nil in the series. So another series in the bag. And the next game's at Lang Park. The next game is at uh, at Lang Park, um, and um, this is going to be difficult for us, Jeff, um, for the next five or six games. This is going to be hard, yeah. but because yeah. because we're professionals, we'll you know put on a brave face and 
get through it. I, I predict that our game coverage is going to be slightly skinnier than <laughs> it has been over the last couple of yeah. weeks. Um, yeah, fair enough, too. Fair enough. I, I don't know how that's going to happen, but it might. It might happen. Oh, we'll, um, find, we'll find a way. We'll find a way. Yeah, we will. <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, that. Was that. So uh, that, that's all of my coverage. You guys, anything else from either of you? Oh, look, I, you, we say sitting here and all agreeing that it wasn't a classic, but I think it was a classic for other reasons. Um, yes. It's it's yes. just a, a different way to play. Uh, you had to recognise the moment, okay, we can't throw the ball around, even though both teams gave it a fair shot. Um, after the you know 20th drop, I think everyone thought, no, maybe this isn't the way through and we'll kick it down as far mm. as we can. The old, you know, get points on the board kick the ball into the opposition territory and make them run it out from there as much as you can, mm. tire them out, and then hopefully capitalise late in the game. And that's what Queensland did. You know, they they probably thought, you know, okay, well, this is how we're going to play. Probably used to playing more in, in heavy rain in Queensland than they were in New South Wales. Uh, I don't know. Um, but, you know, they, they, they had the tactics. I reckon they uh, they worked them pretty well and, yeah, the king once he once he has the bit between the teeth, there was no stopping him. Particularly at Origin level, he just absolutely rose to every occasion in that arena. And when you got the likes of you know Miles Close, Close Meningas, there's there's three front rowers that run fast out out in the backs, um, and they mm. all came in for a heavy shift through the middle at, at at a time, and you know eased the workload of the the big forwards. But just to watch you know the those guys go at it in those conditions for as long as they did. It's just a testament to their their guts and their determination, um, and their, their their love and willingness to do it for for their mates. So, mate, for me as a sportsman and you know, Queensland parochial Queenslander, um, you know what a what a what an effort uh, in truly horrible conditions, um, but to come out on top was uh, was was great. Mm. <clears throat> Well said. Uh, I, in fact, the, my only other note that I wanted to mention was that uh, Wally tends to find a way. Mm. And, um, yes. and now you've just said it a whole lot more eloquently than I was going to. But um, he. Uh, you don't know me that well. I, I think, <laughs> I, think um, I, I think there was a confidence um, in, in the fact that Wally would find a way to, uh, to, to, um, to work it out and mm. to. And to get the ball over the line, and it must have been uh, such a such a feeling of confidence in the team to have a leader like him uh, on your side. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, speaking to one of the players from uh, from that team to to sort of hear firsthand what it was like to uh, to have him in charge. That, but um, by all reports, and certainly by looking at the results, he's a phenomenal leader. Yeah, I, I think also uh, Arthur Beetson as well. Arthur Beetson, you know, the, mm. the grandfather of yeah. you know Queensland Rugby League and um, to be head coach at that time. Um, so you've got a fantastic leader off the field and you've got the, the king on the field as a great leader as well. Um, it really makes the team tough to beat. Mm. Yeah, good point. Okay, well, will we, uh, will we wrap up here, gentlemen? Yeah, I think so. I think that's... Um... Yeah, I think that's as you say, Stu. That you know, yeah. While it wasn't a wasn't a you know, classic free flowing game, it's it just shows. Yeah, while I can, while I can, um, can read a game like like no one else. So um, mm. yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, that, I mean that and that it's still produced as Origin does 
some classic moments in the Dowling try, which came from, well, it was like it came from some some a strategy from Wally. You know, it was it wasn't an accident that he kicked it there. It was um, so yeah, it was just um, just yeah. an, another 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 different style of game to watch and admire and to uh, and to and relish the the Maroons win and to celebrate, yeah. <laughs> Celebrate, absolutely. I'm I'm sure they did. So, uh, look, Stu, I can't thank you enough for uh, for coming along and uh, joining us today. It's been an absolute thrill uh, to meet you, but also to to get your input uh, into this uh, episode. So uh, thank you very, very much. Uh, Steve, Jeff, thanks for having me. It's been been great fun. Down memory lane, I always love talking about Queensland, man. And uh, thanks Good. for we'll um, look bringing, at, that shield for it too. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was decent of you. Yeah, thanks thanks for us. Well, yeah. Well played. <laughs> yeah. And maybe we'll uh, we'll ask you uh, back another time to uh, see if you'll join us. And um, it'd be great if you could. Only a pleasure. Love to. Okay, thank you. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Thank you.